Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Ambassadors Forum Radio Show here on True Talk 800 AM KPDQ. I'm your host, Roy Swart, father of seven, MIT graduate, active engineer in the high-tech industry, and most importantly, bought and paid for, bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our mission here at the Ambassadors Forum is to equip you to be able to answer life's hard questions the same way Jesus would. Today, we're going to do a follow-up interview with one of our earlier guests, Josh Brom. If you missed the earlier interview with Josh, you can find it on our website, theambassadorsforum.com, under the Radio Tab Archive. The date that it aired was January 9th, 2021. Josh has worked in the pro-life movement since he was 18. After 12 years of full-time pro-life work, he co-founded Equal Rights Institute with his brother Tim to maximize his impact for the movement. Josh's primary passion is helping pro-life people to be more persuasive when they communicate with pro-choice people. That often means ditching faulty rhetoric and tactics and embracing arguments that hold up under philosophical scrutiny. Josh, welcome back to the show. <laughs> it is so good to be back, right? It was really, really fun talking to you last time, and I'm looking forward to you today. Yeah, good. Well, in our first interview, we jumped right into the tactics for dialogue that you have learned through over 5,000 conversations with pro-choice people. And I was so enamored by the practical lessons that your team had learned. I was so eager to apply them to apologetics in general that I completely forgot about the specific arguments that you deal with in the pro-life conversation. <laughs> so I promise to... happens. <laughs> you have that effect on people. <laughs> well, well, once you start talking to other people that are interested and kind of nerdy about this kind of thing, then we can often kind of just get... Let's go straight to the weeds where the <laughs> exactly. really interesting, fun stuff happens. And let's just skip the basics. Exactly. So I promise I will practice better self-control today. <laughs> well, we talked a lot during that first interview about the fact that there are a lot of bad arguments on both sides. And yeah. you painted this beautiful picture of an ideal state where all the really bad arguments, both pro-life and pro-choice, were just collected up and thrown in the trash bin. And what we had <laughs> left was open-minded people on both sides, motivated by a moral compass to do good to their fellow people pursuing the truth together, shoulder to shoulder. And I'm going to ask you to humor me just a bit, and let's try and live in that utopia for just a little while, even mm. if it's just for our 30-minute radio show. Uh, are you ready to get started? I would love to get started. <laughs> All right, let's start with this then. What are the very best arguments? And I'm going to limit you to just three. What are the <laughs> best arguments on the pro-choice side for why women should be allowed to have an abortion. So I think the best argument, the most interesting one, this is one that we started uh, talking publicly about last year, and so this is going to be new to a lot of people, is this idea that abortion is like an act of self-defense, that any pregnancy could be potentially dangerous and have negative effects on the woman, and therefore, even if one given pregnancy isn't super dangerous. You know, women should have the right to protect themselves from even like potential danger. Wow. Um, so we have a whole <laughs> long video, a couple of a podcast and a really long article about that topic that people can find at our website. But that's, that one's very interesting. 
Mm. Generally speaking, I think most of the best pro-choice arguments assume for the sake of argument that the unborn is a person. So that's not the thing they're arguing against. They're mm. arguing that even if it is a person, a woman should have the right to control what happens with her body. And so then something like the, the famous violinist argument, something like where you're kind of saying, look, women shouldn't be forced to be hooked up to other people and have to provide them like life support with their body. I think that's an interesting argument. Mm. And then certainly I think there are some interesting anti-personate arguments coming from people like David Boone and people who would say that it's not possible to be a person if you don't have like a mind yet. And we can know from this kind of secular scientific worldview that you can't have a mind without a brain. And if you don't have the brain put together yet, then there's no way you could have a person. Like hmm. that's that's if you're gonna go for an anti-person argument, I think that's kind of the most interesting direction to probably go. I see. Okay. And so maybe at a high level there would be bodily autonomy and personhood. Do you think yeah. that most people in the pro-choice movement are more motivated by the bodily autonomy or by the personhood? Oh, that is such a good question, Roy. Um, <laughs> and my view is different than most pro-life people, I think. I think most pro-life people assume that that personhood is the main thing, that pro-choice people are primarily driven by the fact that they don't believe that the unborn is a person. And I think it's the opposite. Mm. I do think most pro-choice people do not believe that the unborn is a person, but I think that is secondary. I think their primary thing is that the government doesn't have the right to control my body or anything that my body does. So the fact that maybe there's a person inside of me, the fact that it's inside of me, the rules change. Interesting. And we don't want there to be this like government overreach, this overly powered government that can control people's bodies. I think that is the primary driver. And then secondarily, they also, by the way, don't think it's a person. And so like e mm. they can be right about either one of those sure. and win the day in the end. <laughs> what I like about that, Josh, is... If that's the primary motivator is I want to protect women, you can understand how that could be a very moral cause. Yeah. You know, from a biblical worldview, God wants us to protect people created in the image of God, other people. Mm -hmm. And so there could be people on the other side of the aisle here who are motivated by, a dare to say, a godly motivation to protect people. Is, yeah. is that too far? No, I don't. So I'm going to point at a TV show that I think most conservatives hate with a passion. <laughs> if you think about Handmaid's Tale, mm. it's surprising to me that so many leftists point at Handmaid's Tale as a thing that we're like one or two steps away from, which is crazy. <laughs> but you know, for those that don't know, Handmaid's Tale is sort of this kind of despotic story. This you know, is a book that was turned into a, a TV show on Hulu that like portrays this theocracy. What if like these kind of crazy cult of Christians took over government and they have complete control over people and they basically enslave women. Like part of the thing is that mm. they're very, very patriarchal. Men should have all the power and women are like second class citizens and are mm. treated very, very badly in lots of different ways. Mm. So, you know, this is why you'll sometimes see like pro-choice protesters wearing these like red outfits with, with white hats. Like they're, right. they're, they're trying to say, we are just once, if you make abortion illegal, it'll basically be a handmaid's tale, which is not. But if you watch a show like that and any normal person is going to want to protect sure. the women who are being victimized on that show. So I, am, mm. I think a lot of pro-choice people, they are afraid not just for themselves, but they're afraid for other women and what might happen if abortion becomes illegal. And 
I think Christians can identify with that. We want sure. to protect people too who are innocent and vulnerable, but we want to help both women and their children, and mm. we think differently about their children. Mm. That's really good. Now, if you were to try and summarize all of the last few minutes of those points and explanation, I'm giving you the platform for pro-choice right now. Yeah. Make your best pro-choice argument in 20 words. Oh, see, I've never been good at putting anything in 20 words. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not one of those soundbite guys. Uh, okay, um, 30 be, or 40, I don't uh, know. <laughs> I mean, my your, my best attempt off the top of my head would be something like, America is not a theocracy, and so you pro-lifers have religious views about fetuses being valuable and therefore trying to control women's bodies, and you're just wrong. And in a non-theocracy, we should have laws that protect bodily autonomy above almost anything else, especially an area where so many philosophers disagree with pro-lifers about personhood. You know what's interesting about that, Josh, is you brought in religion. Mm -hmm. and A lot of pro-choice people do. <laughs> you naturally just said, hey, it's a theocracy, and you talked about the handmaidens where yeah. those crazy Christians. There's a gal, I can't remember her name, it's called Secular Pro-Life. Oh, Kelsey Hazard. There's also Monica Snyder over there, Teresa. Yeah, and guys, go check this out. Secular pro-life. They're great. Does that totally destroy the pro-choice argument then? If, if it's like, hey, this is all because you crazy Christians and your religion, and somebody from secular pro-life comes in and says, um, no, I don't have any religion. Uh, this is not a religious argument. How is that being received? Yeah, that's a great question. It's really interesting to watch pro-choice people in real time figure out that not all pro-life arguments are religious ones. Uh, <laughs> I did this one time in Fresno. I was at Fresno City College, and two of my friends from Secular Pro-Life were there on campus. And I wrote an article about this. About I ended up talking to this biology professor who hated what we were doing. He was so mad. And so we were having this back and forth. And, I, and he just he kept on accusing us of, like, ultimately, we're just making religious arguments. I'm trying to explain to him that, that we're not. But mm. so finally, I called over Ellen from Secular Pro-Life and said, Ellen, come over here. And I said, Ellen, explain to my friend here exactly how your religious views drive your pro-lifeness. He's <laughs> like, I'm an atheist. <laughs> oh, and that would have been beautiful. It was so helpful to have my, <laughs> my atheist wow. friends there that I could just point to, like, no, wow. you're just wrong. At ERI, we are not making fundamentally religious arguments. I am a Christian. I do believe that the Bible properly interpreted is a pro-life Thing. I believe that God is against abortion, but that is not my argument to a secular society. I'm making mm. arguments about equality that are based in science and philosophy, which is like this common ground that right. we can all stand on. And I get to show them that the Christian worldview is actually a very reasonable view. And I don't need to pull Bible verses to show them that abortion mm. is wrong and ought to be against the law. Interesting. Now, let me flip it and give you the platform to say, what are the best three arguments on the pro-life side. Yeah, so the argument that we have found to change the most minds by far, we call the equal rights argument. And the equal rights argument, this is about personhood. We're going to try to demonstrate for the person that it is good to believe that the unborn is a valuable person hmm. in a way that's not just pulling Psalm 139 or Jeremiah 1.5 <laughs> on them. There's four steps to the equal rights argument. The first step is we step away from abortion. We're trying to help put them in a place where they're going to feel more safe and it's going to be helpful to get them thinking about some other things, and then we'll kind of come back to abortion 
later. So we're going to mm-hmm. ask them, you know, can we put abortion on the shelf for a minute so I can understand how you think about rights more generally? You know, we'll come back to abortion in a minute. And then we're going to ask them if they think that equality is important. Do they believe in the equal right to life or do you think it's important for people to have equal protection from violence, something like that? Mm-hmm. And they probably will. And then we're going to come to step two. We're going to sort who is in and who is out. Who is in and out of the equal right to life community? Clearly, there is a community of people who get an equal right to life, but not everything is in the equal right to life community, right? Plants Mm. are not in the equal right to life community. I think dogs are not in the equal right to life community. I think humans are. So we're going to have this discussion. We're going to kind of go back and forth about that. I'm going to ask about adults. Like I'm going to ask about some really obvious cases. What do you think about the elderly? What do you Mm. think about... Human adults, what do you think about gay people? Should gay people be in the equal right to life? Of course. Okay, cool. We've got that common ground. Yeah. Then we're going to ask them about newborns. What do we think about newborns? Are newborns in or are they out of the equal right to life community? Mm-hmm. And then finally, we're going to ask about squirrels, which is going to seem a little odd <laughs> as an example. Like, do you think the squirrels should be in or out of the equal right to life community? And most people agree squirrels are not in. Mm-hmm. Maybe we shouldn't like kill or torture squirrels for fun, but we're asking about an equal right to life. If someone killed a squirrel and someone killed a toddler, should those people get the same punishment, Mm. basically? Mm. And then we get to step three. We're going to solve for X. Okay, what is the thing that everyone in the equal right to life community has in common that grounds that value? Why do these people Mm. have this equal right to life? And we're going to go back and forth on that. And pro-choice people have a lot of kinds of answers, like, well, maybe self-awareness or being sentient or being viable or, or all these different things. And the problem is all of those answers make one or two different mistakes. They either mm. include squirrels, they include too many things. Like if you say sentience, being minimally aware of the world around you. Right. If that's what gets you in, well, squirrels are now in. Basically, the whole animal kingdom mm. is now in the equal right to life wow. circle. And I don't think I don't think it should be. Or they might say something more advanced like you need to be self-aware you need to understand that you're a unique entity that will exist over a period of time okay well newborns can't do that so they have a newborn problem they have now excluded newborns from the equal rights life circle and we've already intentionally done a process where we've all agreed okay we've agreed newborns are in and squirrels are out there's a problem with this answer and then finally we'll come to step four share your solution what do we believe and this is where we kind of bring abortion back into so i might say something like I think the only answer that works with what we already know from our sorting process is something like human nature. Mm. It is the only thing that everyone in the community shares equally. And to bring abortion back into it, that is why I think embryos should be protected from violence. They have that same thing that the rest of us in the community share. So I think they must be included. Now, Rory, we have in about 5,000 tests or staff on campuses have tried so many different arguments. And we have never found a single argument changed more pro-choice minds than this one. And frankly, number two on the list doesn't even come close. Wow. This is so wow. far above. Wow. This is why we've sometimes called it the most undervalued argument in the mm. pro-life movement. And part of the reason we started Equal Rights Institute is to teach people the equal rights argument because we discovered how effective it is. Wow. Well, a couple of things that I love about that argument, Josh. First... It starts with the other person making the rules, so to speak, mm-hmm. to say, hey, don't you think everybody should have the an equal right to life? And they're like, yeah, yeah of course I do. Like, that's right. my position. You know, I'm here to protect people. I'm, I'm here because I want to do good things for other people. And so, and then sort, eventually you have to sort. But uh, I think a lot of the times when I've seen the pro-life discussion go sideways or fall in the ditch 
is when you start there. And you're like, okay, yeah. we're, we're going to try and start with, is the line here or here? And I'm like, it's complicated. And so if you start with your most complex thing, you almost never get the engine started. You know, yeah. I, so I, I love that idea that you start with, hey, let's do good to other people. Let's give everyone an equal right to life. Yes. I love also how you sort of walk people through uh, good thinking. Mm-hmm. Romans chapter 12 says, part of being a Christian is, you know, you get saved, you get a new nature, but you still got all this junk <laughs> to mm-hmm. work through. And Don't we know it. One of the translations says, you need to change the way that you think. You know, you need to put on that biblical worldview. You need to think consistently. And so I love the idea of equipping people with tools to say, okay, these are your conclusions. You said squirrels are not in, and babies are, and elderly are, and gay and lesbians are, and rocks are not. And so let's try and just work this out together to make it make sense. You said number two was you know, a long ways off. Yeah, I let you use three and you only chose one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I could tell you like briefly what number two and number three would be if I had to pick like the most sure, persuasive sure. things. They would both be responses to bodily rights arguments. So since I kind of opened up that can of worms, I'll at least say here's two very persuasive responses to that. One, and this is kind of our first move these days. Um, it wasn't always, but we came to figure out uh, in the beginning, we were actually undervaluing this response, which is, to show pro-choice people that if you want to have a consistent worldview and you are grounding the right to have an abortion and the idea that women should be able to do what they want with anything inside of their body, well, that is actually an extremist argument. It doesn't sound like one when you first hear it, but when you really investigate it, it's an extremist argument. Here's why. If the right to have an abortion is grounded and you're allowed to do whatever you want with anything inside of your body, then that means that all abortions should be legal. There's not one single abortion that should be made illegal because where's the child? Like the child is in her body. And so regardless of its value, like she should have the right to kill it. They, they would argue. It's like, well, here's the thing. Most people that I talk to, they're opposed to like late term abortions. Mm. They're opposed to sex selective abortions. If like girls are killed because they're girls right. and you don't get to be, if your grounding argument is a bodily autonomy one. And so mm. we'll kind of show Here's, if you're going to be consistent with that, then it seems like you need to be for the legality, at least, of all abortions. And at this point, many pro-choice people will stop making bodily rights arguments altogether and they'll jump to personhood, which is fine. I'm happy to to talk about that. Or they might have to bite the bullet and say, okay, well, I guess I do have to be for all the abortions. And okay, I would rather than be consistent. Sure. And have to bite this explosive round. It's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like this is what I have to say to try to win this thing. Like, I, I think that's actually a really good thing for their process. Right. And then I can say, okay, as long as we're clear. So, and I can pull out my brochure that has pictures of late term babies, both before abortion and after abortion. I'll only show them the graphic pictures with their consent. Sure. Um, but I'll show them, like, this is, I think, what you have to end up being okay with if you're going to stick with that argument. Or, Maybe you could make a different argument. You know, I might have kind of leave them like it. Maybe you could just argue that the unborn is not a person until it's viable or something like that. And then, and then you can get out of this problem. But if you're going to make a bodily rights argument, you're kind of stuck right. with that. And young people don't want to be extremists. And so that's very rhetorically effective. Hmm. And then I would say also the responsibility objection. This is just a little bit more philosophically into the weeds. And I'll try to do a short version of it. But responding to kind of, again, the famous, like the violinist thought right. experiment, where it's like you wake up in a hospital, you've been hooked up to this, this violinist in a coma, 
And now it's like you're stuck because if you unplug, he's going to die. And they try right. to say, that's like pregnancy. And you should be able to unplug from the violinist so mothers should be able to unplug from their children kind of a thing. Right. I think the most powerful response to that in the beginning, it doesn't respond to every single abortion, but it responds to most, would be this thing called the responsibility objection, where it was basically says that when you consent to sex, you're engaging in an act that you know might result in the creation of an inherently needy child that you now owe compensation to. And which means you need to either care for this child you created or you need to transfer that care to someone else. But you are responsible for making sure that child is okay. And so there's like a, a, as a quick thought experiment to explain this idea. Josh, real quick though, you said an important word there. Hmm. If you consent to sex, so now that doesn't cover rape and things Correct. like that though, right? Correct. So that's, yes, that's exactly why I said this would not cover all abortions. Ah, it covers okay. like 99% of, the, uh, of abortions. Okay. okay. Um, or 94% if you take out like life and health of the mother cases. Okay. Okay. That's a very, very good point, right? Like this is not a silver bullet argument because it's only going to get you so far. Right. Which is why we teach, when we teach people like pro-life people how to respond to bodily rights arguments, I have to teach them more than one argument. Because right. this okay. is a really helpful way to so purchase people. They're wrong about most of the abortions. Like the violinist does not work at all in any case where the reason the woman is pregnant because she had consensual sex. Uh, like it I doesn't see. work. I see. And the thought experiment for that would be imagine a room with a baby making machine in it. Okay. It looks like a Coke machine. It's got a button <laughs> on it. It's got a chute that comes out of it. And if someone pushes the button, they have a pleasurable experience. But every once in a while, a baby comes out to shoot. Okay, so imagine someone pushes the button, but he does not want a baby to come out. But sure enough, a baby does. It seems really obvious that he can't just walk away and leave mm -hmm. the baby to die. And he certainly can't directly kill right. it. And we're just saying, like, there's a reason for that. He pushed the button. He's responsible in the, in, in the same way. Now, this is not an anti sex argument okay this is like a lot of pro-choice people get like all mad like oh you're saying that we shouldn't i don't really care like i mean i <laughs> want you like i'm not lying awake at night like freaking out that all these college students are sleeping with each other okay it's like sure. it's not my main concern what we're just saying is that if you choose to participate in that that, that activity and you get pregnant there are moral obligations that come mm -hmm. with that whether you like it or not because yeah. that's how responsibility works no yeah. one wants to be responsible <laughs> for like the, the, the like unwanted like outcomes of our decisions sometimes, but yeah. we still are. Awesome. Well, hey, Josh, thanks again for coming back and giving us some more of your time and explaining some of these things in detail, some of these arguments and thoughts and philosophies that your Equal Rights Institute has spent a lot of time and energy practicing and refining and optimizing from a Christian perspective. We believe that God has written his law in people's hearts. Everybody, Christians, non-Christians, atheists, Buddhists, everybody. And if we could find a way to reach in there and say, you know what, let's amplify that law that we believe God has written on your heart. But what it means is you want to do good to people. You want to protect people. Let's do something with that together and build strong families. You know, whether that's protecting women or protecting the unborn, there seems like there's a common ground there of yeah. can't we all unite around strong families? D you know, yeah. build strong families. D isn't that something everybody wants? Right. And um, again, uh, Josh Brom, equalrightsinstitute.org. Check him out. Anything that you can listen to or watch that he has produced, I guarantee you, you will be blessed because of it. So, Josh, thanks again for being on the show. Thank you, Roy. Always a pleasure. All right.
Now, how about you? Are you struggling to know how God is calling you to stand up for those around us who need protecting? Do you find it difficult to know how to speak with friends and family in a way that builds bridges together towards God rather than pushes them away from Him? Are you growing weary trying to think the way that God thinks by always rejecting falsehood and thinking logically and consistently and correctly all the time? The Ambassadors Forum is here to help you get started. Go to our website at theambassadorsforum.com. While you're there, you can look at some of the questions that we've already answered. You can ask us your hard question. Make sure to sign up to receive our monthly newsletter packed with great content. You can browse through some of our other helpful resources. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and sign up to join us for one of our monthly forum events where we have great speakers presenting on relevant topics. Finally, thank you for joining us on the radio today. You can join us every Saturday at 9.30 a.m. here on True Talk 800 a.m. KPDQ. I pray that God will raise you up in your own faith and send you out to share that faith with others in the grace and truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Until next time, I'm Roy Swart. May the Lord bless you and keep you.